0: Paddy Manning, welcome to Better Eating. Thank you, Cheryl. Now, you're here to talk about, well, I don't know, are they the most hated or the most loved family or person um, in the world?
2: Uh, I think in say? the media industry, um, yep, there is uh, no family that um, is certainly more powerful and has had the longevity. You know, the Murdochs have actually been dominant players. In the media in Australia for a century, mm. uh, and of course Rupert, you know, starting in 1969 when he buys the News of the World uh, in England, um, has really established the first global media empire. And now Lachlan uh, is the person poised to take control of both Fox Corporation and News Corporation if they do actually remerge them, which is which is now on the table formally.
0: Mm. Paddy is the author of several award-winning books, including biographies of Malcolm Turnbull and Nathan Tinkler. During almost 20 years in journalism, he has worked for Crikey, the Sydney Morning Herald, Australian Financial Review, and The Australian. How come they let you work for The Australian?
2: That's where I started, actually. (laughs)
0: Is that right? Very
2: fond of my time at The Australian, very proud of the work I did (laughs) on the business desk.
0: I just thought with the association, they might just have... um, a tag on you. Anyway, he has won several awards for journalistic excellence. His book, Body Count, won the 2021 Victorian Premier's Literary Award for nonfiction. So the book we're talking about today is called The Successor. It's a biography of um, Lachlan Murdoch, one of the world's most powerful and enigmatic people. Okay, I've got lots to talk about here because really I feel that they are very, very acutely responsible for what's happening in the world at the moment, particularly what's happening in the US. And I don't think that that is, you know, it could be particular to any part of the world.
2: Well, I had to approach this as a biographer. I had to kind of park my opinions Mm -hmm. um, uh, and try and focus objectively on Lachlan as an individual. So I think there's no point in producing a 100,000-word anti-Murdoch rant and slapping a title on it and calling it a biography of Lachlan. There's no point in a book which takes Lachlan as just the latest version of Rupert, and uh, doesn't you know try and understand who he is, and, and then therefore, where, you know where he might take this very powerful um, thing called the Murdoch media. So I kind of am not there to judge him, and I've tried, in fact, not to do that. And how uh,
0: hard is that to do?
2: Uh, it is extremely hard, actually, mm, because mm. Uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of kind of passions, I suppose, swirling around Fox News Channel in particular. You know, um, Fox and
0: Friends and all their foxes.
2: Well, it's <laughs> it's sort of you know this book coming out now. We've got midterm elections mm. in the U.S. that are you know described as the most consequential since the American Civil War. You've got credible people talking about the possibility, literally, of civil war in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you have... It
0: comes up just through my feed. You know, I hear it all the time. Both yes. sides are talking about
2: it. Yes. So um, so the feeling is high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to mention, you know, climate change, uh, Black Lives Matter, COVID misinformation, a whole lot of charges, serious charges that are kind of brought um, constantly against you know, Fox News in particular.
0: What I want to talk about, what I want to talk about is how lying has become the new norm.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, that to me is getting away from the topic of my book because I I don't think Lachlan Murdoch um, considers himself a liar. If I if I can, Cheryl, can I just can I concentrate and I'll try and what, what I'll give you the understanding that I got from mm. the hours and hours of Absolutely. work and research That's that I did yeah. to understand Lachlan and the mm. way he sees the mm. world. He, I think, believes that the quality of debate is uh, lifted by a diversity of opinion. So if, there's, if everyone's singing from the same sh- song sheet, you don't have debate, ideas aren't tested, and, uh, you know, we're all the poorer for it. Mm-hmm. I think we could all agree that, that is, that's reasonable. Hmm. Uh, his view, and I don't know whether everyone would agree with this or not, but it's a long entrenched view inside the Murdoch Empire, is that the rest of the mainstream media, and particularly in the United States, skews left So they believe that... um,
0: Everything they don't own skews left.
2: Yeah, that they represent a centre-right point of view. That's like,
0: you know, but that's like, you know, if I don't win the election, then it's rigged. uh,
2: Well, uh, it's something that is, I would almost say, an article of faith inside... And I think this is out, This is broader mm-hmm. than, than just Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Wall Street Journal might say that the rest of the, you know, certainly on the editorial board, might say that the rest of the mainstream media is uh, skews to the left as well, the New York Times and the, mm-hmm. you know, um, Washington Post and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and versions of that, um, the same kind of credo, um, have been articulated by Rupert, um, for decades. Hmm. Um, and that was part Isn't... of his rationale for founding Fox. So so he's saying that he, he. I came up with the idea that it's like a cab rank rule for media proprietors. Mm-hmm. In, I, I think it's the way Lachlan sees it is someone has to represent the centre right because the rest of the media represents a left leaning point. And um,
0: we're view. talking about people like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Correct. Right. Okay. Yes. See, that's where...
2: Now, is that lying? Are they lying?
0: Well, sometimes, sometimes they Dominion are. Voting Systems say they're lying.
2: Yes. Yes. That so, might
0: bring them down.
2: Oh, true. Oh, and I'm very critical of Lachlan's handling uh, as Fox Corporation CEO, mm. not the CEO of Fox News, mm. but as Fox Corporation CEO, handling of the big lie in the wake of the 2020 election. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, Do you know what I think about conservatism and that theory that everybody else is uh, all other media is liberal? All other media is not liberal. They're just different thinkers, right? And we've got a different calibre of journalism, if you like. I mean, do you call Sean and Tucker journalists? Are they journalists? Uh, what are they?
2: Uh, actually, no. no. I don't I, think uh, they pretend right, to be okay. journalists. Sean Hannity is openly critical of most, right. most journalism. Okay, um, and so he
0: he can then have permission to tout lies on television. Well, right. he's
2: he's like an opinion. He's on the opinion side right. of Fox News. He's a prime time opinion anchor.
0: Right. Okay. Um, but maybe you can help me with this because I'm I'm constantly stuck on this thought that if we were to go down the track of what Fox News and Fox represents and the Murdoch, I want to see what kind of world that looks like. I want to see what kind of America that is. How do you... Because to me it seems that, you know, the people that control it, it's about greed and money, right? And the people that are sucked in, if you like there's not the promise that they think is going to happen. Like, their lives aren't going to be all that much different and could be slightly worse. I mean, when you look at Trump, what did that government stand for? I mean, what, were, what was policy? What was it that they were doing for those people that show up at the rallies?
2: Yes, Yes. Well, that is not the subject of my book. And no. <laughs> ultimately, I've decided very early on, I wasn't writing a book about Rupert Murdoch. I was writing no. a book about his son. I mm. wasn't writing about Fox. I wasn't writing about Trump. I wasn't right. writing about Tucker Carlson. All those books have been done. Uh, what I was writing about was the book mm. that hasn't been written, which is a book about Lachlan Murdoch.
0: And how complicit is he?
2: Complicit, I think, is the wrong word. He is responsible he is the CEO of Fox Corporation. He is responsible for everything that they broadcast, mm-hmm. publish, uh, and I, I believe in holding him to account for for how he exercises that responsibility. Can but, we talk? But I am not his judge and jury. No, I'm his biographer.
0: Uh, Dominion voting systems. Talk to me how that lie started.
2: Okay, I will. And I and and if I can just say on that. My aim with this book is to lay the facts out, to be mm. fair and balanced, to be mm. accurate as as much as possible. And that, and that's what I've concentrated on doing. And then I hope that readers like yourself uh-huh. will come to their own opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I hope. I yeah. don't want to force opinions down people's throat, uh, my opinion or anyone else's.
0: Uh, look, you know, it reminds me of the Maggie Haberman book I just read. That's mm. what she did yes. with Trump.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I, yes, and I have read it myself. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what that's that's what journalism is. Mm-hmm. I'm a journalist first and foremost. Okay. Uh, I'm not a Michael Wolf character. You know, he writes with this kind of omniscience, you know, you can take it from me and there's no question about where his, where his sources are. I've tried to be as transparent as possible about where I've got my facts so that, you know, it's fully referenced so that everyone can see where mm. I've, you know, w- what research I've done. And you know, I've done 60 interviews, I've spent hours and hours and hours talking to people on Lachlan's site. So I've put a hell of a lot of effort into research and much less effort into um, passing a verdict. Mm -hmm. Um, But tell me to get to your question.
0: Yeah, I want to see how, because I think that that's a very good example of how Dominion voting systems, and what was the other one? Semitech? Smartmatic. Smartmatic, right? How they came about, like how that lie started. How does that happen?
2: Well, it does start uh, with Trump and his advisers. It doesn't start... I mean, the Haberman book actually makes the point. You know, Trump was prepared to call the 2016 election. He was saying stop the steal before the 2016 election, which he didn't even uh, expect to win. Uh, So Trump is unique, and his advisers... you know, they will be and are being held to account for the lies they told, especially in the wake of the 2020 election. And in particular, they went on Fox and and blamed these vote counting machine manufacturers, you know, Dominion and Smartmatic, uh, and told a whole bunch of lies, which should never, if you ask my opinion, uh, which I don't say in the book, uh, if you ask my opinion, they should never have been allowed to air their uh, baseless allegations on Fox, past the point where both companies, Dominion and Smartmatic, if you read their affidavits, they had written to Fox management on mm-hmm. multiple occasions to say this is absolutely baseless. Okay. And, and Fox, I think deliberately, and you have to remember, in fact, that in the wake of the 2020 election, uh, that Rupert also was involved here, this is not just on Lachlan, uh, they deliberately uh, tried to recapture the MAGA base that was defecting to One American News and defecting to Newsmax uh, by uh, helping to propagate the big lie. And I, I think that that was a, a failure of leadership and it gets started, but they didn't start the big lie. And in fact...
0: But they bought it without fact-checking any of it. They just swallowed that lie up just Well, their like defence,
2: in their defence, and I don't want to be in a situation where I'm constantly defending them because yeah. uh, I think that this was a terrible... There were terrible consequences and, and they are about to be played out in court, let's face it. So mm. it's you and I can talk mm. about it till the cows come home, but it's all going to be... Re- especially as the, if it goes to hearing next year, you know, the Dominion case is set down for hearings in April. This mm-hmm. is going to be a major story. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no point trying to, I suppose, mm-hmm. anticipate. But on the night of the 2020 election, Fox News actually called it straight. So uh, to the Murdoch's credit, they, they, they should take um, a probium, criticism for propagating the big lie in the wake of the election. Their defence for that, by the way, is that, of course, it is newsworthy if the President's lawyers are saying making allegations, we are, it's beholden on us to report them. I think that's true up to a point, but once you know that those allegations are baseless, I think that's where it should stop, and it didn't stop. That's just my opinion. One, you know, I'm not a lawyer. What they did on the night of the 2020 election is call the election straight. In particular, and I go into some detail on this in the book, when Arizona, they called, because of they have this propri- proprietary model, a very accurate model that they've worked on for, uh, over multiple elections, and Arnhem Mishkin, their um, chief um, polling consultant, uh, says Arizona is going to fall for Biden. Now, the significance of that... You have to remember, there's a former Australian journalist, Jonathan Swan, who'd be known to your listeners as Mm -hmm. the son of Norman Swan. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Swan revealed at Axios that the Trump campaign was planning to declare victory early because there was going to be a red mirage because Republican voters were more likely to vote in person and... Democratic voters were more likely to vote by mail. There was going to be a red mirage of uh, the count favouring uh, the Republican Party early in the evening. And then as the poll, you know, postal votes came in, mm-hmm. there would be a swing back and to... It's exactly what and happened. that's exactly
0: what happened. And that's
2: exactly what happened. But Fox News played a critical role on the night because... And the reason the Trump campaign went so crazy when they called for, um, Arizona for the Democrats was because uh, it snuffed out their chance of declaring victory early. There was no way that the uh, GOP could win, Trump could win without Arizona, and that was clear. And when Fox News made that early call, it extinguished um, Trump's chance to declare victory early and then you know, in sort of like a rerun of the, you know, Bush v Gore election and the swinging chads that we all remember from, you know, Florida in 2000. uh, Instead, what we had was we had a, I mean, it took a while for all the other networks to, you know, to follow Fox, but what we had was a situation where it was clear that Biden was going to win and there was no chance of Trump to declare victory early. Now, Fox News deserves credit for that. And the Murdochs, who were involved, I confirm in the book and my reporting shows, Lachlan did get a call from Jay Wallace, the president of Fox News, to let him know that this call was about to be made, and he did not intervene. He did not say go slow on that. He did not call um, Jared Kushner or anybody else to see if that was okay with the Trump White House. He said, thank you for letting me know, and he put the phone down and the call went out, went to air. Now, that is, Fox News says to this day that they are proud of that decision. Now, unfortunately, they went and sacked some of the... A couple, like Chris Stierwald, oh, their price. national political editor, oh. who was involved in the coverage that night, so that's not a great look. Yes, we should criticise Fox News for propagating the big lie in the wake of the election, but we should also credit them for calling the election straight when the chips were down on the night.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better?
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash
0: But I was watching on the night. It looked to me to be a bit messy. I don't think there was any strategy behind that whatsoever. And I think that that just kind of, it was a fumble and they did it and they couldn't back out of it.
2: Well, you and I could, we, we <laughs> yes. could, but they, they stuck by their process. Yeah. yeah and they, they backed yeah. The call that the, their decision desk had made, yeah, and that had enormous consequences, of course. Mm. And let's—I'm not saying that Fox News won the election for Biden. Of mm. course, they didn't. It's the voters of them. It's the American people that elected. Joe Biden as president, and uh, you know it's 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 extraordinary that we're even talking about mm. uh, you know a contest over an election that was actually it was actually one you know Out,
0: outright yeah, yes yeah.
2: that's right but Fox News to, yeah to its credit did call it straight on the night mm. and the Murdochs did not intervene.
0: Okay. Do you think that Dominion and that both those voting systems will be their downfall? I I feel that they really didn't realize what they're up against. I mean here are here's an organisation that, one, is shitty, but, two, maybe can take somebody on like Fox, probably has as much resources as they do.
2: Neither neither company has has anything like the resources of Fox, and I don't think that it's going to destroy Fox Corporation or Fox News. I I don't. Um, It could be extremely costly. Uh, one of the plaintiff lawyers, Eric Connolly, has a track record as winning the greatest compensation payout in American corporate history. Uh, it could be settled before it goes to trial. Right. Um, uh, it could be expensive for. They got to pay up. Well, in one case, in Smartmatic's case, for example, they had abs- It's it's open and shut case. There is no question that they had. They were only used in one county in LA, which was not a swing state. It was a solid blue state. And they had no bearing on the election result whatsoever. So the fact that they've been roped in, you know, on its face, it looks like a slam dunk. Mm. Uh, So – and Fox's position – at law, as I understand, is that they have been arguing, well, how on earth do you claim $2.6 billion in damages when you've never made a profit? Mm. Uh, so they're actually, what they're questioning is the size of the compensation that's being sought. Uh, I think it's um, we're on a hiding to nothing trying to anticipate mm. uh, how, how these cases will roll. Ultimately, mm. in um, Fox's favour and in the Murdoch's favour here is... The fact that you do have a conservative supermajority on the Supreme Court, and if they can appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court, they can expect, I think, a sympathetic hearing, hmm. you know, on free speech grounds. Hmm. Hmm. That's what they believe. You've got to remember Lachlan's closest ally uh, inside Fox Corporation, Viet Din, is himself a lawyer, although it turns out with some recent reporting that he hasn't been eligible to practice for the last four years. He's neglected to fill out his paperwork, which might impact the Dominion case because his communications may not be privileged. So that's an interesting wrinkle. But the fundamental position um, at Fox, uh, as I understand it, and I've been been told this off the record, is that they remain confident that they can, uh, on free speech grounds, ultimately prevail. Mm -hmm. I I think... I find it very hard to see, to picture Lachlan taking the stand, you know, mm. as a witness in this, you know, he has uh, he's not appeared in court since one tell. Uh, that was a painful experience for him as it was for his friend James Packer. I think they will go to l- great lengths before they allow Lachlan to appear as a witness. Mm. I, I think he's uh, he's a flawed individual like all of us and, uh, and you With know, he has his strengths and his weaknesses. He has an extraordinary... Uh, had an extraordinary life, an extraordinary upbringing, and he has extraordinary outsized power. Mm. I actually come to the conclusion, it, you know, in my in my own mind, that he does not want to be um, the kingmaker that his father has been throughout his career or that his grandfather, Sir Keith, was in his time in Australia. Mm. Interestingly enough, I think that is not what Lachlan's about. I think he's about racking up wins as a business leader and, uh, as an investor. Okay. And I I think that's his focus.
0: Okay. So tell us about the man. Tell us about a bit about him growing up and how he came to be.
2: Well, um, he is born in London, uh, in 1971. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is the time when Rupert is founding, you know, he's, he's become too big for Australia and he's bought the news of the world and he's about to buy the sun, Mm -hmm. uh, Curiously enough, if you read the clippings from the, you know, Fleet Street at the time, he was seen as left of centre. Uh, you know, this is, at this point, you've got to remember the Murdoch media backs uh, change of government to, in Australia to um, Gough Whitlam in 19, the 1972 Until election. Until it
0: didn't suit them.
2: Then dumps them, yes. Uh, But uh, and I still think that's one of the most dramatic (laughs) one eighty degree turns in Rupert's career. But um, yeah, you have Rupert shaking things up on Fleet Street in England now. uh, Lachlan says he's he's not proud of his, you know, sort of uh, English. You know, citizenship. I mean, he still has it, but um, but he talks about it in some interviews when he was young, when he first arrived in Australia, um, as kind of being faintly embarrassing. Uh, he grows up in New York. So they move uh, pretty early when Lachlan's uh, three or four over to New York, where Rupert is now buying. He's bought the um, San Antonio Chronicle, I think it, or Tribune, uh, and he's um, pr- pretty soon about to buy. Uh, the New York Post, uh, Village Voice, uh, New York Magazine, uh, you yeah, know, the and, acquisition, and start his... Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, and I know that this book isn't about um, Rupert, uh, Rupert. Mm. but do you think the acquisition of media as a business is about money or is it about power?
2: Well, I think for Rupert it has always been about both. I think for Lachlan it's much more about money than power.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I, you know, it's one of the... Big takeouts for me from, from the book, mm-hmm. you know. Back to to Lachlan's upbringing. He's he grows up in a midtown um, Manhattan apartment overlooking Central Park, across the road from the Guggenheim Museum. Nice, uh, you know. Staff, you know. Anna, the, mm-hmm. their mother, at home. Uh, actually, writing. She was, you know, um, studying and writing at this point in, in Lachlan's childhood. And uh, he's one of three. Uh, his older sister, Liz. Um, one of three kids that Rupert and Anna have uh, and his younger brother, James. And, yeah, it's a fabled kind of upbringing, but not only is, is it a kind of privileged, um, you know, wealthy upbringing, but also because Rupert is who he is, Uh, There's a parade of New York's most powerful people coming through Mm -hmm. uh, their apartment. And those kids are sitting there around the dinner table listening to uh, that level of conversation um, all through their upbringing. You -hmm. know, so um, I think they are brought up to be junior media moguls. You know, they are... Uh, the f- whole family has uh, trouble separating its family life um, and their personal lives from the business that Rupert is, is still building. Um, mm. You know, Lachlan says at one point we're a very private family. They don't talk about their feelings much, but they can talk about business forever. And I think they grow up as little media moguls in, in training. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, interesting. Uh, so you didn't get to speak to Lachlan? No, no. So, and I
2: tried very hard oh, I over over an extended period. I spoke at length on multiple occasions to his closest advisors, What I've called in the blurb of the book, the the inner circle, mm. and uh, but all off the record.
0: Mm, okay. With a few so, exceptions. So he meets an Australian. Sarah's Australian, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they come and go for a while, don't they?
2: Uh, yeah, well, they, they meet in Sydney, mm. but they pretty quickly, I think they're married in 1999, and pretty quickly they move back from um, Sydney to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so there's
0: a bit of a kerfuffle then, isn't there, with James and who's heading the company?
2: Yeah, well, the kids are, at this point, um, still, they're all in the business. Yeah, um, So um, Liz has got off in the UK working at uh, B-Sky-B. mm mm-hmm. um, James is running Star um, out of Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and Lachlan uh, is sitting in Australia on working on – and you've got to remember in the middle of the first iteration of the internet, Mm. you know, and there was an incredible kind of boom and bust in technology stocks and, um, you know, Lachlan is out in Australia running The Australian and he's worked on the Courier Mail and he's kind of – he's kind of seen as being outside the main game. He's off, you know, in a traditional media, um, and in a geography, Australia, which accounts for a very, only a very small part of the earnings of the company. So mm. there's a kind of sense where Lachlan needs to, if he wants to be part of the kind of succession, um, you know, uh, equation, he needs to get Back to New York and start working on the main game, and uh, so he does that. He does that actually with some reluctance. Of all of the three kids, he is the one that is most interested in. The Australian roots of um, News Corporation and the and the Murdoch family um, kind of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that's most fond of newspapers and has been um, since he was a kid. You know, going down to the watch the presses roll at the um, New York Post. But he ha- he kind of gets dragged um, by the, by the logic of the of the business really um, back to New York, and, and then so he and Sarah go and get a you know fabulous apartment. Of course yeah. uh, in downtown Manhattan yeah uh, a warehouse renovation that they do on some considerable cost at Lafayette mm. Street and and then two things happen one is the tech bust you know the tech wreck um, so all of the kind of hype and excitement around the first iteration of the internet explodes and secondly there's September 11 and mm. they're there literally on the day of the attacks which happens only a few blocks from their apartment. And Lachlan has it's, I guess one of those you know just about everyone in the world had you know their thinking changed clearly changed the world and oh. so so at that at that point um, you know Lachlan's relocation back to the United States, it all starts to get a little bit more serious, and you know pretty soon, the New York Post under Lachlan's good friend. Cole Allen, former Daily Telegraph editor, you know, they're champing at the bit to uh, an invasion of Afghanistan and in Iraq. Mm. So, and actually, Cole, Al- Cole Allen was one of the people that did speak to me on the record and talked about going down to ground zero with Rupert and Lachlan and, and um, at, you know, three days after the attack, standing around the, the rubble and the wreckage as they were still trying to identify human ra- remains and spray them with vegetable spray so that they could be, you know, recovered and hopefully...
0: Identified. Identified. So it took something like that to get them so mad that they then decided that they would use their paper to persuade the population. Is that right?
2: Uh, No, I don't think... I think that's too much shorthand. Uh, I do think that the... I mean, the New York Post was uh, very early calling for, you know, one of the first papers to um, back the invasion of Iraq. Mm. Uh, And there's no doubt that... But mm. I I don't think you would only, um, you know, you could, but it the wasn't... whole media, the, the whole of the American media, right. um, you know, rally behind the flag at this, you know, at this point. Yeah. Uh, but so, it
0: wasn't Iraq who...
2: No. It's like the original misinformation, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the, uh, you know, that whole campaign that, you know, the Bush administration ran about weapons of mass destruction and...
0: And where were they? Behind Saddam the saying, bush. Where? I saw a car sticker that said weapons of mass destruction behind the bush.
2: Yeah, it was a a, <laughs> it was, a disastrous absolutely. war. Absolutely. As even someone, like to his credit Tucker Carlson, will say now. You know, that's one thing I, that I would agree with Tucker Carlson on, the forever wars, and Trump for that matter. You know, the forever wars that were launched in that immediate period in the wake of 9-11, a disaster.
0: Mm. What I want to get to is Lachlan as an adult and really what you walked away with.
2: Lachlan as an adult uh, has become increasingly conservative. So when he arrives in Australia, um, his views are broad-minded. He is small-l liberal. He describes himself as kind of socially progressive, economically conservative. He is anti-Pauline Hanson. He is pro-Republic. But like his father and his grandfather, he goes on a kind of journey, as we all do, as we mature, but his journey is increasing conservatism.
0: That is a huge turn to go from that to Fox, to Fox in its current state. That's huge. Yeah,
2: over a 30-year period. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Regardless, he has definitely, maybe because that's where his bread is buttered, or maybe it's because... Uh, he feels he has no choice, or maybe it's because he genuinely is an ideologue to the right of um, to the right of his father, which is what someone like Chris Mitchell, who you mm-hmm. know was a long time, very successful editor in chief of The Australian, who knew Lachlan well. Uh, that's what he wrote in his own memoir. But interestingly enough, Lachlan's advisers that I spoke to were keen to press on me that he would still describe himself as socially progressive and economically conservative. He's, he's said it in recent years. Now, I scratch my head, Cheryl, to be honest. I okay, how do you reconcile that with well, someone who donates?
0: Because he's living in a deluded world of his own, you know. <laughs> Maybe his well, wife tells him that at breakfast and he believes it. I mean, they're just full of made-up stories and he lives around that.
2: Well, I interviewed Kevin Rudd. One, you know, who is yeah. a staunch critic of, yeah. you know, and is behind Australians for a World Mur- uh, Even Royal Malcolm
0: Turnbull. I mean, I interviewed him around the time of his book. I mean, very critical
2: of the Murdochs. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, so Rudd said to me, who is this moderate Lachlan that you speak of? Mm. I think it's an entirely confected image. That's what, that's what he said to me. Mm. Uh, and I uh, admit it's very hard to reconcile you know, the idea of Lachlan as a social progressive but economic conservative, reconcile that with what gets, you know, aired on Fox News primetime every night. Uh, but Lachlan would say that those are not his views. Those are the views of Tucker or the views of Hannity or the views of Laura Ingram and they, they're a entitled break. to them. Give me a break. And then, but then I would also say Lachlan has, you know, through his own donations, for example, his own he he has given a million dollars to the Senate leadership fund of Republican leader um, Mitch McConnell. Now, he he's McConnell is the architect more than anyone else of the, of the conservative supermajority on the US Supreme Court that's just got rid of the Roe this, v. Wade. How can you reconcile mm. that kind of donation? And Lachlan's recently met with McConnell. Mm. How do you reconcile that with... Calling yourself socially liberal. I think there's a disconnect there. Uh, as I say, it's not for me to judge, it's only for me to lay out the information mm. as far as I can see it.
0: Paddy Manning, very, very interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. The book is called The Successor The High Stakes Life of Lachlan Murdoch.
2: Thank you very much,
1: Shell. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.